Yes, hello, folks. Welcome to the weekly Manchester United show on Beyond the Pitch. I'm your host, as always, Phil Brown. Join with my regular co-host, the fantastic Cam McGregor. Before we get into the podcast, folks, I strongly encourage, if you could, check out the link that's posted to the top of my Twitter page on the at Beyond the Pitch page. On that, we have shirts for sale. 100% of the proceeds goes towards mental health. They're fantastic shirts, folks. So if you can spare anything, we'd greatly appreciate it. The resources going to much needed people who badly need it. Um, so if you go to Beyond the Pitch, at Beyond the Pitch, look at the top of the page, you'll see uh, our partner, SB Sports, in partnership with SB Sports, who are uh, making these shirts for us. You'll see a link where you can buy them. So if you can help us out there, we much appreciate it. First of all, Calm, how you doing, mate? Uh, I would say good, but I'm not doing good after last night. It's uh, hard to take, you know? It is. Um, and we will obviously get into last night um, and looking ahead and you want to try to be positive because it gets tiring being negative but there's some things that need to be said when you need to play well these players get praise unlike any other the pendulum swings heavy both ways because when you're a massive juggernaut the size of Manchester United that's just the nature of the, the, the beast and that that's good and bad we over praise we over criticize. That's fine. But one of the reasons why we pay in to watch professional sports <clears throat> is because we're paying to watch people do things that we can't. We're paying to watch, appreciate a level of talent that we don't have. We're paying to watch people do things that can't be seen anywhere. That's what you're being charged for. And there are certain things that as a professional, you should never lack. If you're going to come into an arena, whether you're a boxer, footballer, or any sport, and you're on fit, not fit to do what you're coming in to do and asking people to pay for, that's a disgrace. It's a, you're fraudulent. You're, it's, it, it's, it's false advertising, and it does not deserve people's, you do not deserve people's money for that. Are we going to Solskjaer talk three seasons, three years, three and a half years ago about getting the fittest team in the league? Ralph Ranić talking about players who are not fit. The basic bare minimum you expect from a professional athlete. Any individual in that, on those stands each week can be fit. Doesn't require a special particular talent. Okay. I don't care what your why is. I don't care if you don't care about the fans or you don't care about the club, but at least have enough respect for yourself so you can look your fellow peers in the eye and not be ashamed. Because if I was a Manchester United player on that pitch, it's not the fans I'd worry about. It's not the, the club. It's not my fan. It's looking across at the player next to me wearing a Liverpool shirt and feeling like I don't deserve to be on the same field as them. Where the fuck is your self-respect? Where is your pride? And the weight of expectation that falls upon your shoulders that you, when your agent sat in front of Manchester United and you asked for 150 grand or 200 grand a week, for what? For a level of expertise that can't be found elsewhere. But yet you can't find one single reason to go out on that field and care. Because what we didn't get last night 
should follow these players for the rest of their career. I don't want to see them recover form in a couple of months when Ten Hag comes in and we forget that this happened. Because what we need to remember, what Roy Keane said, leopards don't change their spots. These players will do exactly the same thing again. The next time they find themselves in a situation when you badly need them, they'll go missing. Anybody can play well when everyone's playing well in the atmosphere is good. But where's the leaders when you need them? Where are they? These are cowards of men. They are a disgrace to this shirt. They embarrass us all the time. I'm sick and tired of their excuses. I don't want to hear their excuses. But more than that, Tom, if you're a professional executive at Manchester United, you have to spectacularly admit that you have failed. The people that you paid millions to bring to this club to embody your, your ideology can't even bring themselves to care. That's your legacy. That's what you brought to this football club, a malaise and a listlessness that we've never seen, ever. A completely aimless football club with aimless football players that have no goals, no ambitions, just to go through the motions. How has it come to this? Sorry, man. No, I, I know. It's, it's just one of those things. And see, to be honest, I sat on this podcast two weeks ago and I defended Harry Maguire. I defended the indefensible. And to be honest, I've done it half playing devil's advocate, but half because I do think there is a player there somewhere and I'm hopeful there's a player there somewhere. It was the worst performance I have ever seen from a captain at our club. It was horrendous from start to finish. Don't even start me on those chuckle brothers at right back and left back. I mean, how in the name of God we thought, or, or Ralph Ramnick thought, that it was okay to play those two at right back and left back last night against that type of Liverpool team and bring in someone like Phil Jones, who I feel sorry for. Phil Jones thrown in at the deep end again due to other people's mistakes. Mistakes above in the in the background. The scouts leaving today, the two scouts that left today. You're telling me the best right back you could find for Manchester United was Aaron Wambasaka? Come off it. Honestly, come off it. Same with, with Dallow. Like, Dallow is not a United player. These are players that, that are bang average Premier League footballers that would struggle to play week in, week out at Everton. And that's the truth. Those yeah. two players would not start for Everton. And that is the, the problem. That's the fundamental problem we have. A lot of our players, I listened to Sunez after last night and I agreed with every word he said. A composite 11 of Liverpool and United. There's not one player playing last night that you would start in that 11. That's a fact. A fact, we need serious change and we need it soon. So here's the thing, right? Um, I can forgive Wan-Bissak and I can forgive Dowell for not being good enough. Yes, we need to replace him. That's fine. But what I can't forgive is Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire looks like an individual that's begging to be put out of his misery. Harry Maguire looks like a player that's deliberately throwing games. What I saw last night and I've seen all season... It's not just concerning, if you were to evaluate Maguire as a footballer, you'd swear he'd collect five Chris Packets and won the right to play again because he was a disgrace. I mean, I have literally seen better performances from Robbie Williams at Leviat, right? I mean, and, and I, it is just unbelievable how off the pace, how disgraceful. I mean, he's responsible for half the goals we concede every week, if not all of them, every single week, which then leads me to the question, perhaps my only criticism of Brandy, why is he playing? I mean, I would start Harry Maguire for Liverpool before I start him for United, right? We got a better chance. 
I mean, but, it, it is a total calamity. It's a disgrace. This is a club captain. He embodies every single thing that's wrong with his football club, but his attitude, Tom, listen, he's not being asked to go to Ukraine, right? He's not being asked to go to be doctors without borders. He's being asked to play for Manchester United. Now, I understand mental health is relative, right? But take a look at his attitude. Take a look at his body language. Take a look at Marcus Rashford's. Half of them are looking like they're somewhere else they'd rather be, and they play like that. I mean, what United did at Anfield yesterday was exactly the same thing they did at Old Trafford when they played Liverpool. They conceded after five minutes, giving the ball away, midfield being pressure, up the field, bang, go, first attack. Did exactly the same at Old Trafford. By the way, that was a week after they played Leicester when Brendan Rodgers criticised the fact that they wouldn't press. No shame. No shame. No reaction to a professional calling you out, embarrassing you. No shame to Ralph Hassenhutl calling you out and embarrassing you. Right? What is it going to take for you to care? But never forget, Tom, they betrayed every single paying fan. Cost of living's going through the roof. People are scraping pennies together. They went to the Anfield on a Tuesday night for them to betray this football club, betray themselves, betray the shirt, the bads, every single thing. I don't care what your reasons are. Care for 90 minutes. We have to go through the motions in our daily jobs every day. Most of it's despise because we've got kids, because we've got families. I'm sorry, I have no sympathy. I think the only way I can describe last night's performance was like watching, and I don't know if this is a good analogy, but watching... Tony Bellew and David Hay when David Hay does his leg we were like David Hay last night we literally looked so done in every single time we were vulnerable every time Liverpool got the ball I was literally sitting here thinking this could be a cricket score every time they got the ball they just ripped us apart there was not one player in that United team in fact sorry there was one player when Hannibal came on he was the only player that tried to get about it no one else did you tell me one other player last night that made a challenge. Well, Bruno kicked out at someone. That was it. But you can see Bruno Fernandes is extremely frustrated. Right? And um, here's the thing with Bruno Fernandes. Bruno Fernandes is a link man. Right? So a guy like that works in a system. He has brilliant individual ability. But when you know, you, wasn't it his ball over the top to Riceford that he couldn't control and finish? Right? I mean... So if he's playing with better players up front, he looks a different player. His confidence is different, right? A lot of his confidence comes from people finishing assists. People, I'm not saying he's perfect, he's far from it, but this is a guy that has been one of the few bright sparks over the last couple of years, signed a contract when everyone else was wrong, right? And to me, he's a better captain than Jaime McGuire will ever be. When it comes to problems, he's way, 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 way down the list, right? I mean, he, to me looks like someone that's frustrated with the situation rather than a protagonist of the situation, right? So I'm not saying that every single player is culpable here. Like Anthony Alanga clearly is not culpable. You know, Mabry has a youthful exuberance that he hasn't been spoiled yet by the ego, by all the money, by all the bullshit, by all the people that enable us around him, by, by brands and all this, hasn't been spoiled by that, right? So... You can get you'll you'll get that from young players. I know lots of people want young players to play, but look, there's a reason why Fergie wouldn't play them in the third round of the FA Cup. He ended up trying to build careers, not ruin them. If you put players and young kids into a game like Liverpool last night and you lose six seven zero, 
it wrecks their confidence, right? It does them more harm than good. And it may be that they're not, it's not, that people don't understand the difference between under 23 football and Premier League football. It is absolutely massive. And there's different layers and stages, just like we see with James Garner, that you have to go through to get a player to the top level. It's rare that someone can jump from the youth team into the first team seamlessly. It's a massive jump, especially in this current climate where they're not being helped by senior pros. So, you know, I think for United, there has to be a tacit admission by the people that run this football club that the way they've run this football club for the last nine, 10 years has been an unmitigated disaster. And it has to change. And the only way Rania gets the things that he asks for is if there's massive systemic change inside the football club. Massive systemic change. Uh, and when you talk about bringing in 10 signings, you know, that's a departure from Manchester United's philosophy. Massive, right? But Richard Arnold and Manchester United have no strength, no, no position of strength to argue that they should continue as things are. And see, ultimately, this is a natural sequela to not having present owners who care about the football club beyond a balance sheet. Glazers don't feel the pain you and I feel. They aren't waking up. They aren't sitting on a Tuesday night in agony, feeling like they've just watched their parents make love after watching that match. Right? They aren't feeling that. You and I feel that. They're oblivious to that. They don't feel the minutiae, the nuance. Right? So they don't identify with it the same way. That pain doesn't cause them to react because they don't feel it. So they aren't involved in the day-to-day -day running of Manchester United. And even if they were, they wouldn't know what a good manager looks like because they wouldn't know how to evaluate one. Right? So the people, they need owners who care about the football club, not just how much the football club makes them, not just as a vehicle for their own self-enrichment. This club has been run for the self-enrichment of a couple of individuals. Those are the people that could change it, but those are the people that benefit from the football club being in this mess. I was, I was going to ask you there a question. First of all, I agree with you on the point that you make. Uh, uh, sorry, I agree with the point you make that's not in our philosophy to go and make 10 signings. But say, to be honest, Phil, fuck with philosophy now. There, there is a point where you have to say we need to go out and make 10 signings. And we do need to go out and make 10 signings. And I was going to ask you, who would you get rid of? But I'm probably easier saying who would you keep? Because... This team needs completely revamped from start to bottom. Every single player on that pitch, it, at the moment, in my in my opinion, there's no one worthy other than Bruno. And Bruno, and I would keep McTominay as a squad player. I would keep Fred as a squad player, and I would keep Ronaldo for one more year. That's it. So I would keep Sancho, and I still think Sancho. Oh yes, yeah. Sancho and Alanga, yeah, of course, yeah. No problems there. Um, <clears throat> uh, I would have no problems with Lindelof being a squad player. Um, I would get rid of Dalo, Maguire, Wambasaka if I could. Um, you know, obviously need another at least one dynamic midfielder. Um, you know, it was shown obvious the other night. Um, they one dynamic midfielder, at least one. Right? No, mate, we 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 need two. Or actually, we need three and one being a, a squad, a squad player because Maddie is leaving. Yeah, we can't just be left, left with us. They need two in behind a uh, uh, Bruno Fernandez, in my opinion. Right, uh, but two different type of players, not not just two holding midfielders. Someone that can do yeah. both, so that you can make that change. But then again, you don't have to make a substitution. So you're not, if you're starting with Fred and McTominay, if you want 
to change it, you have to take a midfielder off to bring a different one in. I want to see someone that can do both. Um, and if you're bringing in, let's just say, 10 players, look, that's not going to happen. But what it says is... You, you don't think 10 players are going to happen? No chance, mate. You never, you never even have the competence to send 10 players, right? Even if they had the money, they don't have the competence to send 10 players. I mean, again, when we talk about... We needed need to make major changes, right? 10 players for Manchester United is an utter impossibility in the transfer window, right? Because of the way they work. They work on one deal at a time, right? And that football club does the bare minimum every window, right? Every single manager finds this out. Mourinho found it out. Solskjaer found it out. Van Hal found it out. Moyes found it out. And so will turn out, right? Or unless... Now, I want you to think about Jordan Cullen. Manchester United are not in this situation they're in by accident. This is the result of a very clear and rigid strategy. This is the result of how senior executives at the football club are incentivized. Okay? The senior executives at this football club are the best paid executives in the league. By what metric have they earned that? Because it has nothing to do with football. Right? Because if it had a third compensation remuneration was related to how United play as a football club they wouldn't be the highest paid executives in the football in, the, in, in, in English football but they're not so they're clearly judged by others successes right and clearly there's no incentive to be a successful football club right there's only incentive to be a successful business so this is the result of high people incentivized damn players higher players incentivized right higher players uh, uh, but what's the punitive measures for players that don't that, that step out of line that aren't playing towards a collective goal for the football club? Zero, nothing. We're still talking about offering Paul Pogba contract. Are you fucking insane? There is not a mission Paul Pogba but, gets offered a contract. No, no, no. Listen, if he walked into Manchester United's board right now and said, "I'll send a new contract of four hundred grand a week," they'd have that printed off that that, that printer in thirty seconds. Sure, surely not. I mean, I hundred percent. For for what reason? What what would the for club the get same for reason it? they were offering him a contract six seven months ago? Yeah, but th- things have changed, changed over six and seven months. What? Ranick Ranick is now changed. Like you can see in this interview. Forget about Ranick. Forget about the manager. I'm talking about what has changed with Paul Pogba. No, no, I'm not saying anything's changed with Paul Pogba. He's what a, did Ranick say about Paul Pogba when he first came in? What did he say? Said that. It's not just about him, it's about the club too. What is the effort of the club? One of the first players he criticized, by the way. But still, United had a contract on the table for him. I don't know. I just could not, for the life of me, understand. Ramnick seems like an honest guy. I cannot see why he would say. If he is going to be the one that has the decision-making power over things like this going forward, there's no chance he offers ball ball. Oh, I'm sure. But this is really the question, isn't it? This is where United have to accept, okay, to give control to someone like Ranić, we have to sacrifice our commercial goals. Now, this is a consequence of a deeply entrenched philosophy that comes from the Glazers. So do we think that the Glazers are going to turn benevolent owners and go, you know what, got to stop with this uh, fixation on profit and dividends? Do we think that? I mean, I'm not that naive. I'd like to believe there'd be an admission. The only time you need to really bring about change is when there's financial consequences. 
okay? When there's damage to the brand. And fan equity, as I've said in this podcast many times before, is the most valuable way of showing that you cannot, uh, brand association is toxic. Because if you can't sell to your consumers because your consumers hate your brand, being associated with it is a waste of time. But what United Bank on is fans being appeased with new signings and then asking for another three years and another three years and another three years, right? So the people that caused this mess are still there with the exception of one. You know, so what we see at Manchester United isn't an accident. It's the result of a very deliberate, rigid strategy that despite Liverpool winning the European Cup in the league, despite City winning the league back over and over again, despite being miles off the pace, despite having the worst season in, since the 70s, it still hasn't prompted change. So again, are we to believe that this is the tipping point? I don't I, think I, so. I hope so, but I don't think so. You don't, you don't think so, though, because of past... Um, of the past and everything that's happened and how mm-hmm. how the United board have been so bad, right? And I understand where you're coming from. Well, you need to look at the antecedents. Yeah, but at the same time, this has to be the point where change happens. Yeah, we can't continue. I know, I know. Well, me too. And I agree with you on that point, right? But there has to come a point where you say, look, lads, commercially, things are going to start hitting. The, the shit's going to hit the fan here. We need to change things. There is no chance in hell, right, that the Glazers are sitting there going, we don't need to spend money this summer. Oh, they'll definitely spend they, money this summer. There's no question about that. that look that's look what the it, Glazers right? done with Tampa Bay, right? Just just think about that for a second and how they went out, got Brady, went and won a Super Bowl, commercial value through the roof. They actually done it so well that he decided, you know what, I'm going to come back after you're tired. There is a 100 million percent the Glazers are having talks at the moment about putting money into the club. People no, 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 don't no. want that. I, we, we want we want rid of them, right? That's a fact. We want rid of them. But they will definitely be putting money in the club. And no, I think, mate, the will they have to? No, they'll right? borrow they money. Gonna they'll borrow money that United will pay back. Yeah, well, no, they won't that's put true. money that's in the club. They'll let the club borrow that money. Just like they're going to let yeah. the club borrow the money for the stadium. Glazers yeah. won't put anything in. They never have. But again, I think that their hands might be turned whenever they see that the reaction from fans on that as well. And I think then they're going to have to step it up. So the reaction to fans to what? To everything that's going on. There is the 1958 group, obviously, at the moment they're putting out that but they're going to another protest. Didn't the Glazers sit down last year and make all these promises? <clears throat> yeah, and they haven't so done anything about it. That's what, I'm saying. Okay, that's, that's what I mean. Yeah, they haven't done one thing about it. So that's, uh, what, that's what my point is. Yes. Is that they're they're going to have to react? That I think this is the thing. The Glazers are not proactive; they're reactive. I think we can agree on that, right? That is the major problem with the Glazer family. Yeah. They are reactive, not proactive, and that has just filtered down throughout the club. The whole club stinks. They are reactive, not proactive, not in that, every aspect of that term. Let me tell you what they are. These are capitalists. Okay, the hard-nosed capitalists, and I'm surrounded by people like this. And these are people that find value in property. These are people that get turned on by playing money games. 
These are people that get a rush out of things like this. But these are not people that care about other human beings. These are not people that care about other human beings' experiences. These are people that basically reduce everything to profit and loss. And if it has no profit and loss value, it has no value. Okay, you need only look at the lawsuits between their families when it comes to the settlement arrangements with their families. Right, these are people that could incur less about benevolence. These are people that could incur less about what's right or what's morally correct. You know, when we talk about Newcastle owners, the Glazers were doing deals with the Saudis. They didn't care. Right, Glazers have funded some horrendously uh, pernicious people. Right, pull it politically. <clears throat> I'll let people do their own homework on that. These are not people that care about what you think, what I think, what any needed fund thinks, the value of the football club, the romance of the football club, its identity, its badge, its mean. They don't care. They're so far removed from that. They don't feel it like you and I do. When you say they must, they don't think like that. They're sitting in a penthouse in Florida. And I know because I know I sit with these people. And they don't look at sport the way you and I do. So Americans have no problems with sport being used as a vehicle for profit. None. In fact, they find it odd that we have an issue with that. So their mindset and the, and, and the framework with which they look at Manchester United is completely different to yours and mine. They don't care that it's solely a vehicle for profit. They don't, they can't even bring themselves to fake a 30 second interview to a Sky Sports camera. They don't care. In fact, they have nothing but contempt for us because they see us as dumb idiots who don't understand the value of business. You are, you are weak. You are emotionally weak. You are a dreamer. You're a hippie. Everything comes down to profit. Every single thing. That's how they look at the world. That's how they look at Manchester United. Do you okay. think, so anyway, so their goal is simple. Pay me my dividends. Okay. okay. That's all I care about. And make sure we have enough money to pay the interest on the debt. So the club doesn't get foreclosed on. So just you keep feeding me. Right. And okay. we'll be fine. Well, well, let me, let me play devil's advocate here, right? We'll, we'll, we'll say uh, Ten Hag's as good as done, right? Yeah. Because it looks that way, right? So it's just formalities. So do you think Ten Hag comes to this club after being at a good, well-run football club like Ajax and hasn't got assurances on what, what he can and can't do going forward once he takes this job? Well, whether he gets assurances or not, is, is irrelevant. It's whether they're actually... They're, I don't think actually, it is. No, it is I, because Mourinho was given assurances. Yeah, yeah, but we're talking them? about. Well, he got them to a point, and then he left, he didn't. didn't he? So I was so, sitting but, in his press conference when he lost his rag over and I getting um, Spurs out of rag for Tongan. It was for Tongan or Aldebar, although I can't remember. Uh, he went okay, nuts. but do you think someone as experienced as Ten Hag, right? But we know with me and you know what's gone wrong at United, right? Mm. With someone who can talk to Louis Van Hal, who can talk to Jose Mourinho, who can talk to. David Moy, all these managers that we've had, right? Do you think he hasn't already done that? Do you think mm. Ten Hag hasn't said to himself, 
you know what, I come into this club and I'm going to be the one that runs it. I'm oh. going to be the one that changes yeah. everything that's happening at the moment. Because in my opinion, he's been at two great, great, well-run clubs in Ajax and Bayern Munich. What do you he's think, not the pick. What do you think you would have asked for the Van Hollen or the Nassau? I think he'll he'll want final say on all transfers, you all in, incomings and all outgoings. Uh, I don't I don't know. I'm not too sure. I think may, maybe Mourinho. I'm not too sure about Van Hal. I think the recruitment was clearly all wrong I spoke over this his, time. I've interviewed his assistant numerous times, 100% he did. I mean, there's no one criticizes critic, United more in the current climate with being a commercial football club than him right? and how they want about the recruitment. Secondly, we've just spat and talked about how the Glazers lie profusely. And keep make promises they don't keep, right? Yeah, but they what I'm saying to... is, is this guy's an educated guy. He's not going to say to himself, uh, he's not going to go and speak to these managers who, who, as you're saying, the Glazers have lied through their teeth. Sorry. If if you had a, a if you respected someone in your field of work mm. and you knew this person was a great like Louis van Gaal was, if this person was someone so good at his job, which he was and which he is, why would you not respect their opinion on going to a club? I'm sure he resp- I do respect his opinion and I have no doubt he's been made assurances. I have no doubt that he believes what he's being told. I have no doubt about any of that. What I doubt is whether they're actually ever followed through on because history is the greatest predictor of the future and United notoriously make promises they don't keep. And we've been through this so many times and I can assure you of this when it comes to decapitating Ten Hag in that job or Glazer's profit, Ten Hag will be sacked in a second. Because, see, football fans have goldfish bowl memories. Goldfish memories. We know this, right? player can go from being despised to being loved within two weeks as long as he's scoring goals and winning games. Right? The past gets forgotten about. The present moment defines the past in every single thing. So they know this. They know that despite all the years of no value from Fergie, parsimony, the neglect of the team, as long as they were winning, they got away with it, right? So they know that if they can get United to a point where they have a temporary run of form like Solskjaer last season, finish second, that'll, that'll do. That's just enough, not shit enough to where you're going to get protests, but just good enough to where fans are barely content, where they have some hope about the future. That's really the happy medium they're looking for. They're not looking to compete with City. I mean, City's sending out in Holland. You take a look at the strikers that United will end up sending. If it's not Darwin Nunez, it'll be a striker that City wouldn't sign or Liverpool wouldn't sign. Right? We're only talking about Calvin Phillips. What is Calvin Phillips? A cheaper option than Declan Rice. Yeah. Right? That's what it is. So this is where United find themselves. And by the way, if we're talking 10 players, just say for talk's sake, we're not saying we, we can forget about Harry Kane, right? So, well, that's not going to happen anyway. So, United are already still shopping in that tier two market. Real Madrid signing Mbappe, that's a football club that values football. That's a football club that wants to win on the pitch, right? The football, the signings that we take for granted, they take for granted would be our dream. Holland going to City, and Bobby going to Real Madrid. What? what Tommy Abraham? Wee-hee! Mate, right? You need to badly need people that can make a silk purse out of a sozier because that's the market they're shopping in. 
that's what Ranjik is famous for, building football clubs on a shoestring budget with young players scattered all across the world, which is great if you want to finish fourth with RB Leipzig in Germany, mm-hmm. but you're not in the Premier League that way. Okay, uh, right. I, I get what you're saying here about the signings, and I get why you think Harry Kane is not going to happen. I think Harry Kane needs to happen. Harry Kane needs to happen because we need the spine of a team that can play in the Premier League. We can't go and sign Darwin Nunez and put the the whole hopes of Manchester United on Darwin Nunez's back because Darwin Nunez is just going to turn into a flop. If that's the case, he needs to be nurtured Why would he turn into the a right flop? way. Huh? Why would he turn into a flop? We've seen it so many times before, mate. Look at the players that we've signed previous. Look at the, the young players that we take from, from clubs like maybe like Benfica that just don't work out. Look, we had a player in Danny Welbeck who actually was a good player. We let him go. He's seen as a flop. Do you think Danny Welbeck was a flop? 100%. You think he was a flop? Mate, whenever Danny Welbeck was let go, it was a question between him and Falcao. And Van Hall Falcao was also a flop. Yeah, well, Falcao wasn't fit. But Falcao had already shown in his career that he was 10 times the player Danny Welbeck was, man. No disrespect intended, are they? Of, but, of course, right, obviously, that's so, what so, I'm saying. Like. So, so, you know, that, that is all you can really do, you know. But when it comes to young players don't feel just because they come to Manchester United. They feel for all the reasons that experienced players are feeling. Because there is no structure. Because there is no coherence between how the team is built, because it's a mishmash of garbage, because none of it is done. When you, if you want to win the Premier League, you have to be almost perfect. You can't turn yeah, and, and you have it. to have players that can play in the Premier League that know the Premier League that are used to the physicality of the Premier League. Yeah, that's such Harry a myth. Kane is it's no, a it's, myth. it's not a myth. What what uh, what 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 if Roy know about the Premier League for Kane? We are talking about it. What about Jogba? That's years ago. No, years oh, ago. Jo- I, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll, give you current, I'll give you a million current examples if you want, man. I mean, we could do this Go. all day. Or, uh, in terms, in terms of players come to the Premier League that didn't know what straight away are, that that, that works straight away at, at this present time how football's played in this current time. Say from twenty twenty, give me a player that's came to the Premier League from a foreign country and hit the ground running straight away. You can't name me five. That's a fact. I I can't name you five. Strikers. Five strikers go from 2020 that have came straight away from a Well, it wasn't country. five strikers signed in 2020 for top clubs. From from 2020 to now. Okay, give me strikers and midfielders. Players that have come to the Premier League in the last couple of years that have let it up. That that, that have literally, in their first season, let it up straight away and hit the ground wrong. Oh, did Salah not come it, in it's the a first struggle season to think of. Who? Didn't Salah do it? Didn't, no, didn't sure, he was at Chelsea and he failed. He didn't feel so that he was there for six months and he was he was sent out. He came back yeah, and because, it, because he wasn't good enough and he wasn't up for the physicality. So the Brown and Salah weren't good enough. The weren't good enough, or were they playing in a team where they couldn't get in that team? But whenever they were actually put in the team, they played exceptionally well. <laughs> exactly, mate. That's my point. They were sent that's, elsewhere. That's not they evidence they're not good enough. But it's not evidence they're not good enough. If it was evidence they weren't good enough, they wouldn't succeed at all. No, because they went and they applied their trade elsewhere and they came back and they were ready for the physicality of the Premier League. So, Mason Greenwood. Mason Greenwood? There, there's an example of a, of a kid what was his, what, what, what was his goal score? What was his goal score in his first season? Go tell me. I'm, I'm not too sure off the top of my head. He was second half goal but score. But I, we're talking about someone who... I'm not, no, 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 man. Second half goal score. Yeah, right. but he, he wasn't bought. He wasn't bought from a foreign country. He is an what English lad who grew up through the system. What, he grew up you, in the no, 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 no. But the physicality of the Premier League, if you're a foreigner, yeah, but he's used you have to the same biology. He's at the youth level. Are you telling me that if you're born abroad, you don't have the same biology as someone in England? Oh, mate, you're miles off it. No, 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 no,
Mason Greenwood had never played in the Premier League before. I know, but he played against English teams in the academy. That's but what I'm that's not about. the Premier League. That's like saying I played. I played against under fives. Uh, oh, I played no, like under fives. It's not. But I'm it talking about. The, you the, learn your trade in England. You play your but, trade but in what England. Are you, what are you learning? Do, do you know anyone that's came through the system? I have plenty of people I know that have came through the system. I'm being in England. Man, I'm play, playing I, at, I, at academy level. I was level. in the system myself. Yes, I, I know but it's, it's a physical level. level. Yes, it's I know. It's a physical so level. It's, it's a different not. type of football. So then, then, so you're telling me, so do tell me why English academies go out and send a, a rush of foreign players to fill their academies up if they exactly can't do it. Exactly my point. But no, no, but that's not, that the feature point? Because no, if they, if they, because they bring them over to England and they learn? Um, if foreigners didn't have the physicality to play in England, they wouldn't be signed. They wouldn't be signed at youth level, right? Because again, no. they don't have the physicality. They wouldn't be signed at any level, right? Okay, I so mean, that's because they're nurtured at this. I can, I can. The vast academy. majority of best players in the Premier League's history are all foreigners. Yes, who play for a few years before they hit the ground running. No one hits the ground running the first season. It's almost factual. No There's one has very the, few players. You still no, haven't named me players. I just did. I, I just gave you one example of Mason Greenwood, but I can give you here. But I'm talking about foreign players. He's English. Okay. Well, but their point is the same because at the end of the day, it's about who comes into the Premier League and do they have the physicality? I mean, it's a known fact that one of the reasons they don't play kids coming out of the academy, and we've just talked about this, is because one, they don't have, they're not physical enough yet because they're still kids, right? But they're but, playing against. Are you seriously telling me players kids. in Uruguay and Argentina? Don't have the it's physicality to play in the Premier it's League. I mean, Carlos Tevez, Sergio Aguero didn't have the ability to play in the Premier League. Why? What's the difference? I didn't say they didn't have the ability. I've never uh, once well, said they didn't well, have the ability. Well, they didn't have the physical strength to play in the Premier League. To to hit the ground running in their first season. You've never watched Argentinian football, League. have you? Mate, it's a completely different ball game. How is it a completely, completely different ball different game? Argentinian football is slow. There's tackles. It's dirty. England is different. England There's tackles is very at 30. Fast. Again, you don't watch it. Absolute nonsense. It's a physical it's league. It's technically league. It's exceptional. It's and by the way, man. Players like Rojo. Uh, do you really want to get down the list of Argentinian players? I'm still waiting. I'm, do you? I, I know, but you're changing the subject because I'm still waiting. No, 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 no. I can give you. I, I, I can give you. Win. I can, but, well, you're asking me for a very narrow question about strikers that were sent in the last year or okay, two. Mid, midfielders as well, I said. Uh, Fabinho. Fabinho hit the ground run this first season? Sure. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. You've just made that up. Fabinho okay. was shocking his first season. Birdie played. Uh, <clears throat> abs- abs- Luis Diaz. Luis Diaz, yes. <laughs> Luis Diaz. But there's always going to be... There's always oh, be so someone. there's Luis anomalies. Diaz has played so, well. you're, so you're going to dismiss the anomalies. You're going to dismiss no, the examples that I gave you. There's always going to be a few players. Kulisevsky. My point is, is that it's hard. He's another one that, that's done okay. He's not done, done great. Okay. He's done okay. He's been one of the best signings this season. <clears throat> nah, he's done, he's done okay. Mate, come on. I. Ruben has, Diaz. The, the fact, okay. Ruben Diaz. Here, Ruben Diaz in his first season? Absolutely no, magnificent. No, I wouldn't say magnificent. Nah, mate, come on here. I don't think he was magnificent in his first Ruben season. Diaz Diaz. Second season. Second absolutely season. Magnificent. No, he was yeah. absolutely. Magnificent. Here's the thing: if you want to be intellectually honest about this, let's have this conversation. Bruno, uh, Bruno Gimarash at Newcastle. 
Yeah, he, he set the ground on. There's one okay, there. So Bruno Gimarish hit the ground running. So did Ruben Diaz. So did Luis Diaz. Ruben Diaz didn't. I'm not, I'm not accepting right, that. We're Luis done with Diaz, this conversation, yes. right? Because you're the only one that thinks that. So anyway, I'll give you a list of examples of okay. why, of this absolute utter nonsense. Took you a while. You would, imagine, you would imagine that England would go on and dominate at the world level, given that they have all these physical advantages and all these other advantages that other No, because that doesn't, mean, that doesn't mean they're a good team. Just so, if you're phys- if you're physically better than other teams, it doesn't so, make you so where's your where's your evidence that players can't adapt to England physically? Bruno Bruno Fernandez, Bruno Fernandez came to the side. He's been he's been good in an average. What was his team. first season? Yeah, he's been good Pick in an up, average. Well, me, I've just given you about seven examples of why you're. It took you half an hour to think of them, and only half of them are okay. It doesn't matter what it took me three years to think of them. No, I I only need one way crew to prove it all. Our of black. course. Of course, there's going to be an, an, an of course an, there's going an, to be a shitload thing. of examples that prove my point wrong, but my point still stands. No, disagree. Mate, we can move I've on. I've just given you tons of examples of why your point doesn't make sense. Okay. Right? So, so you think Darwin Virgil Nunez Dijk, you shine him up front? Virgil and, van Dijk when he came to the problem, magnificent, huh? Yeah, but he went to Scotland before. So what? He's not the Premier League. The physicality. Oh, the so it's is it British football we're talking about now? Oh, mate, obviously there's there's not much difference. There's not it's, much. Okay, so I, I, I gotta, gotta defend your, your terms. Okay, so now British football. So now we're gonna extend that up to Scotland. Okay, so uh, what if? A, so the, it's just a physical issue, right? So so players need to come to the UK and Ireland to develop the physical attributes to play in England. Is that what you're telling me? I'm not. I no. Again, you're putting words in my mouth. I said no, I, I'm people struggle. You I didn't say you said I'm asking. Yeah, you and what I'm that. saying is is people struggle. So now you're annoying me. Some people you struggle in my mouth because that's some not people, that's not what I said. Some people struggle. A lot of players struggle, mate. Do, well, do you watch football every week? Why did Jack release that? Why is Jack release not settled? But oh, you're bringing up players that came through. The but no, no, system. I'm giving you an example of a player that went from England to England. Why is Jack release not settled? Surely he should be because adapted he, to the English Premier League and have all the attributes he needed. Why? Why? Just because he played at Villa? That doesn't make make him. I never once said that was the only Why is he field then? Because he's in a team full of superstars and he used to be. The oh, so there's other though. reasons why players feel and it's well, not of just. Of course, I never said there was. So, how, how do you know the players that you're dismissing aren't feeling for the same reason Jack Relisha But I never said there wasn't. I just said notoriously. Thank you. So, that's what I've said. So, uh, correlation and causation, two different things. So, anyway, uh, we move on. I have skepticism about United remaining uh, committed to what they're promising Ten Hag. I really hope they do. I really hope that the appointment of Ten Hag is an acknowledgement, not just that a manager needs to change, but the entire structure of that football club and how to run needs to change, uh, what they value, and simple things, very simple things, like winning football games being the most important thing to the football club. But that will require a shift in thinking from the top. It will require a shift in incentivization to employees. And I am concerned. I don't think that will happen. I don't know. I think Ten Hag is... Uh, obviously, I've said this many times, wasn't my first choice. I'll back him until the cows come home. I think he needs to be given time. I think he needs to be given funds. Thinks he think he needs to be given control. I don't want to see a Rennie Mollenstein alongside him. I don't want to see a Steve McLaren alongside him. I don't want to see Fletcher on the bench. I don't want to see Mike Phelan on the bench. I want fresh new ideas. Yes, I and I hope you agree with that as well, because 100%. currently, this, this is just not working. This It's like a vicious circle of ex-players People who they think have been around the United Way are going to have a positive influence. It hasn't worked. Let's change the script, lads. What what are we doing here? Let's change it up. Let's get fresh ideas in. Fresh people. People who have been at good football clubs like Ajax and Bayern Munich 
and change something because it, at the moment it's systemically wrong. The whole system is flawed from the top to the bottom. Like you have said many times in this podcast, there is so much wrong with the club. And the sooner we get this moving and changed, the better because it is really hard viewing at the moment. I completely agree. It's hard to imagine it could get much worse than this. Uh, it's a very sombre moment for people who love this football club. And I know a lot of United fans are angry online, which is making um, social media somewhat unbearable because a lot of people have different opinions. The only thing I can't take uh, relentlessly is it's Ollie's fault. It's Ollie's fault. It's Ollie's fault. No, it's not, he's not it's blameless. Not of course, he's not. But no. But here's the thing. For people to permanently fixate on that, I would suggest you get a life and look way beyond it because the thing there's a lot has happened since Solskjaer's been gone from his football club that he's not responsible 100%. for. There's a lot that happened before that he wasn't responsible for. Uh, and uh, if time spoke for Jose Mourinho, it's also spoken for Solskjaer. So we should, uh, uh, anyway, we were going to put a podcast out last week. My, my apologies that didn't get out because I recorded it on the fly quickly when I was going holiday and it sounded like shit, so I didn't want to put it out. Mm. But I'll go ahead and put this one out. Uh, Calm, thank you so much, mate. I appreciate Thanks, mate. Appreciate with it. me. <laughs> appreciate Love it. it. And, uh, all the best, mate. Take it easy. Yeah. See you. Speak to you soon, mate.